I heard a, a statement once that human beings have been eating since we emerged on this planet 50, 60,000 years ago and we still haven't figured out how to do it. It's something that should be so simple and we have made it so complicated and the amount of anxiety and stress that has been put on people to figure out what to eat and how to eat and where to eat. We've really made this complicated and I think eat whole foods, eat simple food, eat good nutritious whole food, eat it in the right portions. That is the Mediterranean diet. Hey everyone, it's Kay here, host of the Wow Factor podcast. Tune in to hear conversations and find inspiration to live well, be well, and discover your wealth of wellness. You're going to love today's show. This episode is part one of a three-part series featuring the authors behind the book, Midwest Mediterranean. The Midwest Mediterranean Project is all about opening up and communicating the values, recipes, habits, and joys of the Mediterranean diet into our local community in the High Plains. The dynamic team members behind the project include gastroenterologist Dr. Fidel Namor, cardiologist Dr. David Clardy, registered dietitian Megan Myrtle, local producer Noreen Thomas of Dowden Thomas Farms, and archaeologist and farm-to-table importer of Greek olive oil Peter Schultz. Today we dive in with Dr. Namor, Dr. Clardy, Megan, and Peter to learn about the benefits of the Mediterranean diet, the history of the diet, and how we can find simple ways to integrate it into our lifestyle. Learn more about the Midwest Mediterranean cookbook on foodofthenorth.com and peterschultzimporter.com. Also give them a follow on Facebook. Peter Schultz, can you give us kind of an overview of what this initiative is and what we're, what is the goals of this podcast? Okay, so Kayla, the, the team that you're talking with here is a group of authors who are all involved in the publication of a book called, as you know, Midwest Mediterranean. And, and everybody, if I'm making a mistake, and Megan especially, please just like slap me upside the head and tell me what I'm, tell me where, where I need to correct myself. But in a nutshell, this project is about opening up and communicating the values, recipes, habits, and joys of the Mediterranean diet for our local community up here in the High Plains. This, of course, requires a kind of broad range of expertise, hence the nature of the team that you're seeing here. You have you know, an incredible uh, GI guy, you have a world-renowned cardiologist, you have a ultra-famous nutritionist, and a, you know, kind, of a, kind of a scrubby archaeologist, all kind of involved in this. Um, and Noreen Thomas also from Downing Thomas Farms is also involved. So again, the idea was to bring together people who have a very specific area of expertise with regards to this mission, uh, get everybody together, and then talk about how we can best communicate the values of this kind of diet and then promote it uh, for the FM area. Is that, does that sound about right to everybody as a, in kind of a nutshell? Uh, yes, it does. Right. Yeah. Thank you so much, Peter, for, I love that you're, um, 
that this initiative is going on in Fargo. And I, I follow Mediterranean diet. I absolutely love it. And I've been chatting with Megan a little bit too about this initiative and kind of getting involved a little bit, which is super fun. Uh, so could you guys give me a rundown of what the benefits are of the Mediterranean diet? I'll, I'll take a stab at it first. I have to say that it's a little intimidating uh, talking about this with a couple of medical doctors, but uh, I, I know that they'll provide their insights from their respective areas of expertise. But um, the Mediterranean diet is probably one of the most well-researched diets in the world. Um, and from a health standpoint, it has been associated and, and actually proven to provide numerous health benefits. I think most notably, and David can speak more to most to this, the cardiovascular health benefits. Um, but there are so many benefits in terms of longevity, increased brain function, GI health, um, numerous positive things. And, and the reason that I get most excited about the Mediterranean diet is because it really isn't a diet. It is a lifestyle. It is something that people can eat and enjoy throughout their entire lives and never feel deprived or that this is only something that they're going to do for two months to get ready for a wedding or whatever event they might be having coming up. The food is delicious. It's whole. It's, it's wonderful. And it's something that eating in this pattern in this way is sustainable for the long term. So it really is about that, um, promoting all these positive health benefits throughout your entire life. Yeah, I'll add to just to what Megan is saying, the benefits um, of um, the Mediterranean diet, the cardiovascular um, effects are really, really well known. All the studies, there's hundreds of studies out there that have shown that um, the uh, Mediterranean diet improves heart health, and it's really beneficial as far as preventive uh, treatment and even secondary, uh, or I should say uh, primary prevention and secondary prevention. In other words, uh, you, if you go stick to a Mediterranean diet, uh, it cuts down on the chances of you even developing significant heart disease. And once, and even if you have heart disease already, it cuts down on progression. We know that coronary disease and most heart disease is progressive. I mean, it doesn't, you don't cure it. It's, uh, it, you know, you just, you can just treat and contain it. And some of the things, it has many, many benefits. Um, for one thing, it cuts down on the incidence of heart attacks. How does it do that? Well, first of all, most people are on a Mediterranean diet. Their cholesterols are lower, and even the bad cholesterol is on lower. Cuts down on inflammation. Um, it helps open up blood vessels so that it improves blood flow. And, um, and of course, the, the weight also is, a, you know, is, is uh, certainly is, uh, something that uh, people have an easier time controlling their weight if they are eating the whole grains or the fruits and the vegetables as opposed to all of the refined uh, carbohydrates. So, um, and you know, the thing is about the Mediterranean diet, it's not necessarily a low fat diet. It's just, it has certain fats in it that are much more beneficial, less saturated fat and more of the, um, and more of the uh, uh, olive oil. And so, um, but you know I can go on and on, but but uh, but that's kind of a, that's kind of a sum of um, of uh, what it uh, what it is. 
cuts down on heart attacks, cuts down on chest pain, cuts down on uh, sudden cardiac death. So uh, a lot of uh, very uh, beneficial uh, things when it comes to the heart. Improves uh, blood pressure also. And I'll just add, Kayla, just one, one thing that's often talked about in the health and medical community that, that may not make its way out into just common conversation is that the majority of, of, of health issues that we have in our country and world today are, are lifestyle related. You know, it is, it is the um, physical activity choices that we are making, and it is the food and beverage decisions that we are making. And, um, you know, I, I know as a dietitian, I, I would have conversations with folks that would say, well, you know, diabetes just runs in my family. I know I'm going to get diabetes. I have the genes for diabetes. And yes, to an extent, that is a piece of it. But our behaviors and our choices, especially what we are eating, has such a profound impact on our health. And really um, taking this diet that has all that wonderful research and benefits that David talked about and making it accessible and understandable for how we eat and live here in the Midwest is really what the, the goal of this project is and, um, and hopefully will um, be something that people um, enjoy and find good information and good recipes, but also will result in people making choices that help them to live longer and healthier. Mm -hmm. If I could add one quick thing also too, that the, um, my organizations, the American College of Cardiology and the uh, American Heart Association have now really emphasized the importance of uh, lifestyle. Uh, as Megan was saying, exercise and uh, the, right, uh, the right diet. I mean, sure, we have a lot of neat things we can do and Fidel will probably, he'll tell you a lot of the neat things they can do in GI, but but with us, with heart, you know, we got better bypass surgery, better medications. We can do better procedures, better bypass surgeries, better stents. But the thing is, is that the goal would be to maybe get in a position where you don't even need any of that. <laughs> so, um, but I mean, but the thing is, is that treatments have improved, but people are going back to now the, um, uh, to the uh, lifestyle or the, or those organizations are um, are uh, emphasizing that right now heart disease is the number one killer of um, of Americans, and so the goal of the American College of Cardiology now is uh, to um, make heart disease the second uh, biggest killer, and maybe even less than that. <laughs> so, so they want to reduce that incidence of um, of heart disease. All right. Uh, I got involved with this fabulous group just after a five-minute presentation on microbiota. And maybe it was the last meeting in person for First Fridays. I don't know, because after that, COVID came along. So my um, uh, goal is to try to link diet to the microbiota in our body. Now, um, for centuries, we knew that fermented food are important, that they can treat diseases uh, like diarrhea, dysentery, um, even um, diabetes and things like that. Uh, in the early 2000s, new studies have emerged and we now know that the living things that we see are very small compared to the living organism that are on earth. So just to take the human body, 
we are maybe only 10% human and 90% uh, microbiota, organism, microorganism. And studies have shown that diet can interfere in the population of bacteria that we have. And recent technology has allowed us to be able to determine the population of bacteria. And the Mediterranean diet has this, just like what Megan said, it's a pattern. So it's not just one nutrient, it's the whole diet as a whole that can interfere in the gut and interfere in the um, population of bacteria that we have. And bacteria in our body play a major role, uh, not just by uh, metabolizing the fiber, but also it helps uh, to protect us from uh, bad bacteria, from pathogens. It can help us to modulate our immune system. It can help us even to um, hit our behavioral system. So it can change how we behave. So it can send information to the brain through the vagus nerve, through uh, metabolites, through the short-chain uh, fatty acids, and it can modulate our body to the point that some people think that we are only uh, a carrier, that really it's the bacteria that is deciding everything we do, uh, and we are just here to carry the bacteria to allow them to survive. The diet, the Mediterranean diet, increase the microbiome diversity. And that helps to uh, metabolize fiber better. It helps to decrease uh, gut leakage. It helps angiogenesis, meaning the development of blood vessels, which can be bad and good. Um, just like um, Dr. Pardi was talking about the heart. So sometimes angiogenesis can help to allow after a heart attack to allow the remaining heart to work better and to be able to sustain uh, their function. But also angiogenesis means cancer. So now there's some research that have linked bacteria to certain type of cancer. So it depends on what we eat. Uh, that's going to determine the population of bacteria that we're going to have. And this is... Um, and an ongoing research. So what I'm saying is not 100%. It's based on uh, in vitro uh, studies, based on very small um, human studies, uh, small scale. But it's still going on since the early 2000s. We have spent uh, more than 300 million into research on uh, microbiome and on um, uh, the microbiota in humans. Uh, through, and this is through grants from the NIH. Uh, and now, even now, we can, uh, you can send a stool sample to the American gut and you can compare your bacteria to the bacteria around you, to, your, to the American bacteria. And that can help us to determine why certain diseases are more common in Western than in other uh, countries. And the Mediterranean diet, just like what Megan said, is key to change the bacteria inside our gut. And I think that's what prevents the heart attacks, what lowers the blood pressure, and what makes us healthier. Thank you so much. Yes, I feel there's a huge tie in all of 
this. And I'm so appreciative of this happening in Fargo right now and bringing all of this education to the forefront to help create a better community uh, through education and in implementation as well. Uh, so can we talk a little bit about, and maybe this is a good question for Megan and maybe for Peter, what is, what makes the Mediterranean diet different than other diets? What is it comprised of? What are some of the key foods and how are those foods um, helpful in our bodies? I'll start by giving sure. kind of a, a high level overview of, of what the traditional Mediterranean diet is. So, so this diet is really based on the traditional dietary pattern of people who lived in countries in and around the Mediterranean region. And so probably one of the, the biggest pieces of that diet is that it's plant-based. The majority of foods that people are eating are whole, limited, minimally processed um, plant-based foods. So this is whole grains, legumes, fruits, vegetables, and nuts. Additionally, the fat, as David mentioned, is, is a big part of that. There, unfortunately, there was a myth that emerged in the 80s and 90s that um, in order to be healthy, our diet needed to be low in fat. And that was actually wreaked havoc on the human body because um, it is not a low-fat diet that is healthy for our body. It is eating the right types of fat. And the fat that is principal in the Mediterranean diet is olive oil. And um, so that is something that is utilized in, in multiple ways in almost every dish that you have in the Mediterranean diet is a good, rich, delicious olive oil. Fish is a big part of it too, as you'd imagine, the Mediterranean Sea, there's a lot of um, fish that is taken out of those waters, so that is enjoyed regularly as well. But in addition to what the diet has as those key parts of it, it's really important what the diet doesn't have in it too, right? So the Mediterranean diet is very limited in red meat, refined grains, and sweets. And those are three things that, that in the U.S., in our dietary pyramid, those are always at the very top, encouraging people to eat the least amount of those. But if you look at a lot of the chain restaurants and, and snacks and foods that are prolific in our American food system, people do tend to eat a huge amount of those foods. So it's really trying to base the diet in those whole minimally processed plant-based foods, good rich sources of, of extra virgin olive oil, those unsaturated fats, and then um, limiting those less desirable foods. If I could add one thing to what Megan was saying when um, uh, she mentioned about the fact that there was a myth that fat was bad for you. And so what happened is the food industry took out the fat, but the bad thing is they replaced it with refined sugar because they wanted to maintain the taste. And when they did that, you saw the incidence of obesity increase. And also, and you know, along with that, you saw the incidence of diabetes, type two diabetes go up too. And so now the one thing that the Mediterranean diet is good for is like, it is the more plants you eat, it's more of a plant-based diet with uh, less meat, you know, and definitely less, very little red meat. And so the thing about it is, is that, uh, and then the, the plants um, and, and the nuts too, they have a good amount of fiber in it. Fiber has a lot of beneficial things too, as uh, weight reduction, helps with satiety, so you don't tend to want to eat much. 
uh, and also it improves uh, and increases insulin sensitivity. So that means that basically uh, that cuts down on the incidence of blood sugar and also those uh, hunger genes, so that those hunger hormones too, it helps all of that. So, uh, so many, so I think the, 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 the plants and the plants that are in the diet, again, high fiber and, um, and that helps out uh, quite a bit. And then some of the other uh, things in that, like the olive oil, um, and also the even the vinegar and some of the vinegar that you use in the oil and vinegar again early satiety uh, um, cuts down on you know the uh, improves insulin sensitivity and then the other thing is is that um, the the plants and the um, and that have all the nutrients in them what they also do again is um, reduce the cholesterol and it reduces especially that bad cholesterol that LDL and the thing about the LDL is is that uh, the that's the low density lipoprotein that's the those are substances particles that circulate in your blood and it's the those LDL particles that get deposited they're made by the liver and they get deposited in the blood vessels now before they can get deposited in the blood vessels they have to be oxidized and, um, and then when they get oxidized, that's when they get into those blood vessels, the walls of the blood vessels, and, and start causing plaques and uh, start uh, plaque buildup. And so by cutting down, uh, oh, I should say, but with the uh, plants, there's a lot of what they call um, radical scavengers, let's call them that way. So they cut down on the, uh, on the uh, oxygenation uh, or the perioxygenation of those particles makes them less less atherogenic and so that's another benefit of the uh, Mediterranean diet and also one other thing too about once you get plaques the thing that causes a heart attacks is when those plaques rupture those plaques become unstable and they rupture and when those plaques rupture the bloodstream sees that thinks it's an open uh, open sore and it has to seal it and the way they seal it is by depositing what they call platelets. These platelets are little, thicky little, sticky little things that clump together and, uh, and cause blood to clot. Now, that's good when you cut yourself to cut bleeding externally, but that's not good a plaque inside an artery. <laughs> so, and, and so the thing about it is, is that this kind of diet and all of the plants, the plants and, and the, um, you know, and the other, uh, well, mainly the plants and the nuts and the olive oil, those cut down on inflammation. So that cuts down on the likelihood of, uh, of uh, plaque rupture. It also causes the blood to be more fluid, so it doesn't tend to clot. And it also decreases what we call those platelet stickiness, right, exactly. So, so the platelets don't want to, aren't, aren't sticky, so they don't want to tend to come together and clot and, and, uh, and block off arteries. So those are all good things, right, right. I'm just gonna add uh, one thing too. Uh, so if I tell you dessert, what is the first thing that you think about? Cake and ice cream and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. For the Mediterranean, it's dessert means fruit. Yeah. So that's how they eat their dessert. They don't think ice cream or cake or anything like that. It's fruit. Yeah. 
So when dessert comes, that means they're gonna bring the food up. The other thing is the dressing. What is the most common dressing here that we use? Ranch, probably. Mm -hmm. In the Mediterranean uh, countries, it's olive oil. And they add a little bit of spices, they dip it, they dip cheese in it, they dip bread in it, they put it on salad, they put it on mashed potatoes, uh, non-fried, I mean fresh olive oil. So olive oil is used on, there is no meal without olive oil in the Mediterranean uh, uh, countries. So olive oil is a very important uh, component of every meal uh, uh, for, for the Mediterranean meals. I, um, I absolutely love that. And I, I feel, um, you know, speaking of these oils, fish, nuts, these kind of fats, um, there's a difference between the omega-3 versus the omega-6 fats. Can we talk a little bit about those fats and how they work differently in the body and how we should be taking in or what we should be taking in more than the other? Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, the, well, the, the omega-3 fatty acids, that's the beneficial one. And um, omega-6, you get some of that. However, what you want to do is you want to have primarily more of the omega-3. And what they've also done, too, in some studies, they looked at the ratio of the omega-3 versus the omega-6. And actually, um, uh, when that ratio of omega-3 versus omega-6 omega is... Um, is high, that seems to uh, confer the most benefit. So it's primarily the omega-3 fatty acids that are beneficial, okay? And that's what's mainly in fish. And actually, the omega-3, it's a little, there's actually three different fatty acids in omega-3. It's about three components, um, rather than mention all the long names in it, but uh, one of them is, comes from plants and then the other, Two, I think, primarily come from fish, and so. Um, but uh, but it's the omega threes that really are the beneficial ones, and I know a lot of people take uh, omega three supplements and fish oil pills, but I always feel that it's better to uh, get it naturally, because not only are you getting that, but you're getting uh, all the other benefits when you eat the eat the fish, as opposed to taking the pills. You're getting all the benefits of the nutrients and the fiber and the other things. And, and I'll just add into that. Um, so, and, and David, that comparison of the ratio is the, is the big thing there from the research showing that in our typical American diet, we tend to have a lot higher amount of those omega-6s than the omega-3s um, because omega-6s are found in vegetable oils, like soybean oils and a lot of the things that are in our processed foods. Um, so we tend to um, get plenty of those, but are lacking in those rich omega-3s mm -hmm. that are from the fatty fish. Um, so it really isn't about, um, and, and exactly to his point that was so great about people taking supplements. Um, the research on supplements is, is very inconclusive of providing, providing any benefits. It's really eating that whole food. And, mm -hmm. and again, I think that that gets down to the beauty of this book, that it is a, it is a food-based approach to mm -hmm. doing this. This is not supplement this or drink this powder or liquid or anything mm -hmm. like that. This is eat real food, eat real delicious food, and it will be great for your body. 
Thank you both so much. And I feel that too, that, you know, in today's day and age, kind of diverging a little bit in today's day and age, it feels like there is a, a supplementary product for just about everything. And we're kind of overcomplicating something that can be rather simple that can be fed with a proper diet or you know, supplement when you need to, but more so focusing on getting in these healthy foods that the Mediterranean diet can offer. Um, I kind of want to dive into a little bit on the gut health and benefits of the gut with the Mediterranean diet, diving in a little bit deeper on especially how um, I've been hearing a lot about the gut being your second brain quote. And I, I'd like to learn a little bit more about that and how the foods of the Mediterranean diet can help create that more um, a benefit for that brain to gut relationship. It is definitely the, uh, the second brain because it has a lot of neurons within uh, the gut. And any communication that goes from the brain to the gut is probably related to the metabolism of these bacteria in our gut. And these bacteria can create neurotransmitters or metabolites or cytokines that can go immediately into the brain, either through the nervous system or even directly through the blood vessels too. Why the Mediterranean uh, diet is important and help this uh, gut-brain access, this communication, and also decrease symptoms, decrease problems with the GI tract, problem with irritable bowel syndrome, problem with inflammatory bowel disease, problem with even colorectal cancer uh, can be decreased due to that, um, to the bacteria. And what the Mediterranean diet does uh, by increasing the, the unsaturated fat, which is the omega-3 and omega-6, um, that also helps to diversify the microbiome. So we will have a different population of bacteria. And there is um, a ratio uh, that we use. It's the Firmicutus to Bacteriodidis ratio. And when this ratio is high, that uh, means more inflammation, obesity, diabetes, uh, decrease in the immune system. And this ratio with the Mediterranean diet is decreased because the Mediterranean diet improves the bacteroidetes population. So it increases the, a different kind of population that thrive on plant-based diet rather than on carbohydrate and high-fat diet. So if you eat plant-based diet, you're going to have a certain population of bacteria. And if you eat a carbohydrate, high-fat diet, you're going to have a certain population of bacteria that will thrive. So that's what the Mediterranean diet does. And by doing so, it improves the gut homeostasis. It improves um, the function of the bowels as a whole and also send the right information for the brain to control the motility of the gut and to control the inflammatory process within the gut. And it's just so insightful to know that there is such a connection and um, knowing that, you know, by integrating something like a Mediterranean diet can, you know, reap benefits in your body as well as your mind. Um, you know, one thing I really enjoy about the Mediterranean diet is that it's a rather simple diet to follow. There's not all these 
it's not strict in a sense of timing this with this and all this calculations that you can get almost overwhelmed with. It's a great diet that I think virtually anybody can really integrate into their lifestyle. Um, if anybody wants to touch on that a little bit, um, you know, talking about instead of so much eliminating foods and timing and focusing on being overwhelmed, what are some of the, the easeability of the Mediterranean diet and how can someone integrate that into their lifestyle? I, I think you hit the nail on the head there, Kayla. It is, we, I heard a, a statement once that human beings have been eating since we emerged on this planet 50, 60,000 years ago, and we still haven't figured out how to do it. Like, it's something that should be so simple, and we have made it so complicated. And you're exactly right. The amount of anxiety and stress that has been put on people to figure out what to eat and how to eat and where to eat. And um, yeah, we've really, we've really made this complicated. And I think, so I love the Michael Pollan quote, eat food, mostly plants, not too much. That mm -hmm. is the Mediterranean diet. You mm -hmm. know, like that is eat whole foods, eat simple food, eat good, nutritious, whole food, mm -hmm. eat it in the right portions. And, and I completely agree. And, and the thing that I also love about the Mediterranean diet too, is that it can sometimes be seen as maybe an elitist diet because it has this image of the Mediterranean and, and this traveling place in the world. But the base ingredients of the Mediterranean diet are some of the cheapest, most affordable foods that you can buy in a grocery store. Whole grains and legumes, which could be the base of almost any meal, are pennies a serving. So building those in as your base ingredients to a meal and then adding in seasonal vegetables, spending a little bit more money on a good olive oil, you can have extremely nutritious, satisfying, delicious food. And, and the other thing that makes me so excited about this cookbook and Kayla super, or this book and the combination of having recipes in it, Kayla, you are one of our contributors providing a recipe for that, which is so awesome. But the people who shared these recipes, they shared extremely approachable recipes, but folks like yourself, and Andrea Baumgartner and Ryan Nitschke and these fabulous chefs in our communities, they know how to take these simple whole ingredients and add the right spices and flavors and ratios of oil to vinegar that make them taste exceptional. So that's what the Mediterranean diet is all about, taking these, as, as nature provided them, perfect foods, adding this healthy, wonderful fat, the right spices and flavors, and making it into something that you never feel deprived. I just want to add that with the Mediterranean diet, eating is to enjoy the food. Mm -hmm. So people spend time with their meals. It's not a five-minute deal and be done. Uh, so that's also an important point, that the food has to be tasty. And there is no restrictions. You can put whatever you want to put. But just like uh, what Megan said, plant-based, not too much. You can still have red meat, not too often. Uh, and focus on the healthy, on the grains, uh, mm -hmm. on the healthy food. Mm -hmm. I was at a conference once and they talked about um, the protein flip, where if we think about our standard plates that we have, particularly here in the Midwest, where you get a steak that's half of your plate and a baked potato that's half of your plate, we really need to think about flipping that protein 
and filling that space up with plant-based whole foods and thinking about meat more as a condiment versus the main piece of our meal. And the same is true of our desserts, right? Like Fidel was saying, when we hear dessert, we think cake and ice cream, but in the Mediterranean, that's fruit. So how can you have the majority of your dessert be fruit and have a little bit of cake or a little bit of ice cream. It mm. still is, it's not saying that this diet is overly restrictive or you can never eat these things again, but it's really thinking about what are those signature foods in the Mediterranean diet? How can you make that 80 to 90% of what you eat and use those other pieces as small additions that add flavor and satis satisfaction? Very well said. I love that, Megan. And I love that you, you know, you mentioned that it's not a, you know, it's not restrictive. It's just like about thinking about it very simply and thinking about, mm -hmm. you know, plant first and then add, you know, a few slices of maybe a little, a little few slices of sirloin or a few, like a couple chunks of dark chocolate rather than a whole cake or something like that. And, you know, those are things that I've been trying to just integrate more of in my own diet and just trying to bring more of those Mediterranean actually since, you know, talking with you about it and providing that recipe, it actually made me think about my own diet is like, how am I integrating more of this? How can I do more of this? And when you start to taste the flavors of better, the Mediterranean diet, and you start to like use the olive oil and you see how well a teaspoon of olive oil or a tablespoon of olive oil makes the best crispy vegetables. It's a really good you learn all sorts of new flavors that you can integrate into your life very, very simply, very, very easily. And at this kind of one, I want to touch on one topic about the Mediterranean diet that I've heard, and I'd like to clarify some truths on it. It does allow for one of my favorite beverages, which is red wine. <laughs> we all probably knew this was coming. <laughs> so I'd like to touch on that integration of using, you know, incorporating a little bit of red wine into the diet how much is too much, what's a recommended dose, how much can you utilize in the diet and how often is, is something that's like a safe amount and um, beneficial rather than the other way. So if anybody wants to touch on that, I'd love to learn more. I can mention a couple of things and anybody else can jump in, but Basically, right now, what the recommendations are as far as the amount is um, it's always they always describe moderate amount. Now, the question is, what is moderate? Um, moderate is, the, is defined as maybe two glasses for a man and one glass for um, a woman. And by a glass, we're talking about four ounces of wine. Now, when you talk about red wine, I mean, there are benefits in there that have been studied and looked at. I know some of it is controversial, but the thing is, one of the things that uh, it seems like it has some benefit is, of course, red wine is made uh, with the grapes and uh, the grapes and, and, it's, um, and it's fermented uh, with the skin intact uh, of the grapes. And so it's the skin that has these so-called beneficial uh, antioxidants, flavonoids, uh, resveratrol, which is one of the uh, one of the um, uh, antioxidants that has been discussed, and these are all supposed to have had, have some some benefit um, uh, in in the red wine. Uh, now the 
question is, does a white wine give the same benefit? Uh, there's some controversy about that. Um, obviously, you're not getting all of the um, all of the um, antioxidants because the red, the white wine is uh, fermented without the skins. The skins are removed. Now, some people say it's the alcohol that gives the benefit, but you know, no one really knows. But the thing is, the Mediterranean diet does allow for that amount of uh, moderate, at least, red wine. And um, and the other thing, the other key thing is, is that it's recommended that the wine be consumed with meals. So, um, and, and so that's when you get the benefit. So there are some benefits with the red wine. Uh, it cuts down on the cholesterol, especially the, uh, the oxida oxygenation, oxidation of the LDL. Supposedly improves the HDL, the high density lipoprotein, which is the uh, which is the uh, the good cholesterol. We call that the good cholesterol. Those the good cholesterol. You want that to be higher. That tends to run higher in women than in men. But uh, but that um, but that's the good cholesterol. So it seems to improve that a little bit. So you get those benefits. Now once you get beyond that moderate amount, once you start getting to three and four and five glasses, then the benefit goes away. So. So that's the that's the thing. Now, two glasses for men, one glass for women. Now, I've also read somewhere where it's even less than that, one glass for men and maybe two thirds of a glass for women. But any event, that's kind of uh, within that range. So that's kind of where the state of the art and uh, the science is right now. I have to say, David did a fantastic job. Like doing full circle around that issue. That's great. I will just say that from my reading and understanding on the issue as well, he hit every point on that. The main thing that I would just add is that it would never be recommended for a person who does not already consume alcohol to start consuming yeah. alcohol to infer any that. benefits. Definitely. For a whole variety of reasons, individuals mm -hmm. should not consume alcohol. But if it is something that you enjoy having on an evening with a meal to do so in moderation in those exact portions like David described. I would add one thing too, because we are still in the Midwest. And I do appreciate that. I, um, it's nice to know, you know, where those kind of guidelines would be because we hear that a lot, you know, oh, you can have red wine. Well, what does that mean? A bottle? Um, but it's nice to know now where those kind of parameters are, so. As I was thinking about in writing this book, I kind of thought about that, that exactly like you brought up, Kayla, how there's a few of kind of like the superstars in the Mediterranean diet that get all the attention, the red wine, the olive oil, the dark chocolate, and some of the, the more humble ingredients, like the whole grains and the legumes, they don't quite get that superstar to status, but it really is the total approach. You can't just start mm -hmm. drinking red wine and get right. benefits or just add olive oil and get benefits. Mm -hmm. It really has to be that entire dietary context all taken together. Mm -hmm. yeah. That's so true. And you know, you kind of talking a little bit about the book, Megan, I'd like to go into, and if everyone has, you know, what they want to add, I'd like to kind of dive into what the, what everybody, what readers can expect from the book is it strictly a cookbook? Is there a story component? Uh, is there health component that's going to be integrated in? Can each of you touch on kind of the aspects of the book you're working on or what readers can expect to see? What's going to set this cookbook apart? Sure. Um, well, Kayla, that's a, that's a fantastic question. And I think 
one of the macro umbrella answers is that this book at its heart is about simplicity, right? There is a kind of elegant to the Mediterranean diet that makes it easy to follow, easy to cook, easy to live with, easy to live by. So I think that on one level, at least, what you're going to see is you're going to see five different explanations slash approaches to how this kind of diet and lifestyle is seamlessly integrated into your everyday life. And one of the things that has been fascinating for me listening to this panel of experts talk about this is this constant and correct stress on the Mediterranean diet as a, as a lifestyle. If we actually want to impart to our readers the importance of this lifestyle choice, one of the things that I think everybody's in agreement on is that it has to be not just effectively communicated, but it has to be communicated in simple enough way to allow the whole project to move into the way you're cooking and eating and thinking about these things. It doesn't really disrupt your everyday schedule. Now, Megan has this, Megan has this phrase that has inspired me for like a decade now. And it is the idea of cultivating sustainable habits. And I, I mean, I just think, you know, when she said that to me originally, this was like years and years and years ago, I was like, wow, you know, that is a really cool idea. But the more I think about that and the more I've lived with her words, the more I realize how fundamentally important that idea is. So couched in that simplicity is the idea of a sustainable habit. I mean, Megan talks about a lot in her, in her chapter, and I won't, you know, speak to that directly about how critical it is that this isn't something you have to follow, right? There, there are the, the restrictions of a regular diet don't really pertain or attain um, in the Mediterranean diet as it might into some of these other projects. And I think at the, the, the exciting thing for me about this is that this is in a way creating and cultivating one of those sustainable habits. Once you get into the habit of cooking and eating and feeling, you know, this Mediterranean energy, it is self-perpetuating. You, you don't have to go out of your way anymore. You're just in a new rut. It just happens that this rut is good for you. And that is exactly what we need. We need ruts that restore and invigorate and regenerate ourselves and the earth. And we can't think about it as something that's a fad or something that's just a one-off. We have to think about this like the Greeks and the Italians and the French and the Spanish do, as this is how they do it. Mm -hmm. I think that at the end of the day, what we are going to be delivering to our audience of uh, readers and uh, foodies and connoisseurs and chefs in the High Plains is a kind of how-to simple guidebook on how to create this sustainable habit for you, your families, your community. Mm -hmm. So for the chapter that I wrote on the book, I really um, took that that food-based approach from a from a dietitian's perspective, and really kind of breaking down the key foods that are part of the Mediterranean diet, and and what they are, what kind of benefits that each of those is is found to incur on the body, highlighting what those ingredients are that are signature in the Mediterranean region but what are the ingredients that are grown locally here in our part of the world? Because I think that's the really beautiful part of this Midwest Mediterranean. It is, yes, taking those foods and enjoying some of those foods that we don't get here in the Midwest, like the olive oil and the, the fatty fish, but also we have so many wonderful foods. Our region in the world is the top producer of dry edible beans. Beans are a huge part of the Mediterranean diet. 
We produce amazing whole grains here. Some of them are processed and made into less healthy ingredients, but enjoying them in their whole intact form, it confers so many awesome benefits to the body. And then I have a, a small section of the book, which is just some tips on how to how to take your traditional Midwest diet mm-hmm. and, and make simple switches that can make it a more Midwest Mediterranean diet, mm-hmm. considering going vegetarian for one meal a week, switching your principal oil from maybe butter to olive oil, those type of things. So mine is really that just, just thinking about the foods for this diet. I think the main thing I wanted to convey in my chapter was basically the scientific uh, basis uh, for the uh, benefits of the uh, Mediterranean diet and the base and the primarily the scientific basis when it comes to, you know, cardiac and heart health, you know, I kind of tried to draw the connection uh, from, um, like I say, the typical Mediterranean diet where the people in the Mediterranean countries the kind of diet they were eating and the observation, the observation that those people were were having less heart disease and were dying less, much less of heart disease than the people that were eating the traditional diets in Western Europe and in the US. And that's what kind of stimulated the interest uh, in the uh, Mediterranean diet. That's when it started, when people started looking at that in the 60s, and then uh, and then a whole series of studies that came out. So what I tried to do is basically summarize that information and summarize it in a way that it was basically, uh, you know, understandable. I mean, people know about heart attacks. People know about, you know, dying suddenly. They know about hypertension. They know about weight. And, um, but to kind of explain exactly why the Mediterranean diet is good and the ingredients in the Mediterranean diet, what specific benefits they have, you know, uh, I think maybe explaining that, I think maybe that would be beneficial and giving people that kind of uh, education and the basis of why we're recommending that, you know, why it's good for your health, so. All what the other said is my (laughs) statement too. (laughs) And I just want to add that my goal is going to be to try to link bacteria with the diet. That what we eat may shape who we are. Not only as a health, but also behavioral too. And eating a healthy diet may help our behavior, not just our health uh, alone. So we have an, you know, this incredible uh, dietitian and amazing cardiologist and GI expert. Um, I'm going to be working on history and culture for the book, which is basically a small introduction to how this diet plays a role in both everyday life of, the Med- of Mediterranean countries, but also how this kind of diet has formed the primary basis for Mediterranean nutrition going all the way back to before the Stone Age. Everybody talks about the paleo diet, right? I mean, this is such, this was such a huge thing like 10 years ago. The Mediterranean diet is at least as old as the hypothetical paleo diet you sort of come up with. That's going to be kind of my role. This, And I also wanted to speak um, to Noreen's work. And then Noreen, you know, she is a producer. 
right? So you're going to have, you'll have a kind of a, an archaeologist, a cardiologist, a GI expert, a nutritionist, but you'll also have somebody who is growing. And I think what she is going to be speaking to is this idea of actually what Megan pointed to is sort of making these things in the Midwest, creating the truly unique Midwest Mediterranean as sort of a food phenomenon. So those are, those will be the three pieces altogether. And it was really fun, Kayla, when we, because um, as the book has been written and as we've been working this and developing this, really realizing that it needed to have that local farmer involved in the conversation and talking about growing these ingredients. And then as we were looking at the recipes that were submitted, numerous people had submitted recipes using oat growths, which is a something that is signature Noreen Thomas. She has marketed that and created that as such an amazing local product. And it was like, oh my gosh, what could be a more perfect grain for the Mediterranean diet than oak groats that are grown 10 miles north of Fargo-Moorhead? It's just the, it's the perfect full circle for, for what we're trying to do with this book. You know, Megan, I have to say when you were, when you were, when you were saying that, I realized that this, you know, the sustainable habit idea for me is almost inescapable right? If the habits are going to actually be sustainable, they have to be based on, well, they have to be based on like real behavior, right? Which is the market, right? When you go shopping, what do you buy, right? And if we can sustain those, if we want, if we say that we want to cultivate and support these sustainable habits and advocate for these sustainable habits, it also means we need to have the linchpins and the building blocks from the foundations of these of these habits rooted in our own local food ecologies. So when thinking about Megan's metaphor about the circle, once that cycle starts rolling, where we are both producing and consuming as all living beings do, that is the road to create the proper rut, right? So again, it's not an intellectual exercise or a philosophical idea. It is both of those things in a way, but it also is about getting down in the in the the real life down and dirty habits of how we eat produce and then continue to move forward and and i'll just add too i think that one of the in terms of that idea of cultivating sustainable habits when we look at people's decision making around food and why people make the food choices that they make convenience is a factor cost is a factor um, but deliciousness is a factor. People want to eat food that tastes really good. And I think that that's something that's really neat about this book too, is you'll get all this great information, but then you've got a great collection of recipes too, with ingredients that are locally available to you that like, as Peter said, our marketplace has what you are looking for. Go out and buy these wonderful foods and incorporate them into your daily lifestyle and really see and, and get to see and taste the benefits that you are um, getting from this, from this diet. Mm -hmm. I also think the, uh, the point that uh, Peter was making too about going over the history of the uh, Mediterranean diet and how it evolved and uh, the basis of that, I think that's gonna be a very fascinating and very interesting part of the, of the book. And I think that's good that something like that is, uh, is added. Yeah. Well, you know, there's this fascinating connective tissue about joining um, the ancient, earliest, you know, mm -hmm. traditions with what we're doing right now in the present moment. Mm -hmm. I love this idea of sort of continuums of, of health. You know, mm -hmm. we are, are not that much different, genetically mm -hmm. speaking, right. from folks running around, you know, mm -hmm. 
yeah. six, eight thousand, ten thousand years before our nutritional needs. Yeah, there have been some minor shifts, mm-hmm. but the basic genome is is identical. And we have yeah. a lot to learn, I think, from mm-hmm. these ancient people who mm-hmm. were not um, mm-hmm. engaged in this kind of eating mm-hmm. uh, just for a healthy lifestyle. I mean, they're fighting saber-toothed tigers, right? So, I mean, there are some real benefits that I think can come come from that. Uh, yeah, exactly. Right, right. I think yeah. it's so fascinating, too, the amount of fiber that people in that point, and as Fidel was talking about, that, that fiber is just such a key part of our diet, and that's that plant-based food, mm-hmm. um, eating more of that. But that was, historically, humans consumed massive amounts of fiber, and today... It can be, the recommendation is 25 to 38 grams. Most people don't even get half that on a daily basis with the standard Mm -hmm. diet. Mm -hmm. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It was said by one uh, researcher in this area that basically if people ate primarily what they grew out of the ground, the the incidence of diabetes would be so low, almost to the point of almost being non-existent. So... So that fiber, like you said, just makes a huge difference. And, and real fiber, not fiber one bars, not these yeah. things that have all this added yeah. fiber to them. Right. Real, yeah. real fiber in real so, food. <laughs> real fiber, that's exactly right. <laughs> Don't forget red wine. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard that's an excellent source of fiber. <laughs> well, no, it'll, just, it'll just help the fiber go down a little bit, maybe. Sure. <laughs> this has been amazing and so much uh, food for thought. I always try to get a pun in. <laughs> I had one final question for everyone. It's been an amazing conversation. And I love that the community, once again, of Fargo, Moorhead area has just come together through each of you to bring this knowledge, this culture, this education, this, and we can find this in our own backyards. We can, we can create this. It can be sustainable and it can help change lives for the better and open a lot of doors. And I just thank you all so much for your efforts with everything you're doing in the communities with education components and just helping people live better lives through, through education and through diets. I just have a fun question as our final question. What is your personal favorite food or favorite recipe? If you have to pick one thing from the Mediterranean diet, uh, what is your favorite and most like go-to food? I will start because it's the recipe that I'm submitting for the cookbook and I'm calling it a Midwest Mediterranean salad. So it is a, a grain and bean salad. So it has couscous as the grain, and then it has white beans, kidney beans, and chickpeas in it, cucumbers, tomatoes, red onion, fresh parsley, and basil. And then it's the balsamic vinaigrette using Peter's awesome olive oil. And you toss it all together, and it's just a, it's a, it's a wonderful, extremely satisfying. Um, it can be eaten as a, a meal on its own or an awesome side dish. So that is my, my go-to. I think after that, maybe my go-to is going to be Megan's dish, but that uh, sounds delicious. But uh, I have to tell you, I just learned just recently how to make Spanish paella. And, uh, and uh, it takes a little work, but the final product, it's, it's worth it. It's a, it's a Spanish dish and it's 
based uh, has a it's based on uh, has a lot of seafood. Uh, it's a seafood traditionally seafood paella uh, with a lot of vegetables. Uh, you know, peas, mushrooms, a uh, lot of legumes, legumes, um, beans, and you know it it can be delicious. So I need to do it a few more times to get it right, but. It's, it's coming, but I think that's going to be my favorite dish. <laughs> Mine is tabbouleh, and that's a Lebanese dish. It's a little bit time-consuming to make. You have to chop parsley, tomatoes, onions, mint, cracked wheat, olive oil, uh, lemon juice. Um, but um, this is my, my salad to go to. Well, you know, I guess I'm just going to keep rolling with the salad theme. So my favorite, my favorite salad is the Greek salad, the choriatiki, as they call it in Greek, which is, you know, nothing other than giant chunks of veggies, olives, a thick slab of feta, just coated top to bottom in olive oil. Um, I, I've been sort of an addict since I lived in Athens, um, but I... I can't think of anything better. You know, the Greeks have this phrase, um, you know, Greek cooking is very close to nature, right? And a Greek salad to me is that idea distilled down to one dish. In fact, that's my recipe that I'm going to be submitting to Megan, um, which is, you know, only a recipe in the most general sense, because there isn't any real cooking. You're taking this stuff together, you throw it in, pour your salt and pepper and olive oil, and you're ready. Mm -hmm. You guys are making me hungry. <laughs> oh my goodness, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me. I'm so, so excited to share more about this. Thank you guys for listening to tuning into The Wow Factor where we help you find connections with great people such as these to have great lives and live well and be well.